Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Good evening. You are listening to Radio Islam, and I'm your host, Tariq El Amin. For those of you who are new to Radio Islam, we welcome you. Thanks for tuning in. We're a live call-in talk radio program, and we air every day from 6 to 7 p.m. Central, right here on WCEV 1450 AM, and we reach the world by streaming live at www.wcev1450.com. And remember, we are now on the TuneIn app as well, so you can find us there. Just look for us at WCEV. Radio Sound family, make sure that you are keeping up with us by liking and following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. You will find us at Radio Islam USA. Uh, and we are also available wherever you get your podcasts. So if you like an episode, you can always tune in and listen to it again. And remember, sharing is caring. So if you like it, make sure that you are sharing it. So SoundCloud, iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, you will find us at Radio Islam USA. All right, Radio Islam family. I'm going to stop all my chattering because I am eager to get to our discussion. We have two esteemed guests in studio with us today, and they're going to talk with us about their recent travels. Um, each of these gentlemen traveled uh, to, uh, to Jordan and Palestine recently, and we want to just talk a bit about their experiences, especially in light of uh, the current presidential administration's um, stated desires to move the embassy uh, to Jerusalem, and that has caused quite a bit of backlash, uh, and rightfully so. So in studio today, joining me are Dr. Dr. Sabil Ahmed, and he is the executive director of Gain Peace, uh, which is uh, the outreach arm of ICNA, uh, Islamic Circle of North America. And we also have with us my dear brother, Khalid Al-Sadi, he is the director of finance for Sound Vision. Uh, he's the gentleman who makes sure that everyone gets, gets their checks here. Uh, all the bills gets paid. <laughs> so uh, I'm always happy to see him. Uh, do you have a check for me today? Um, no? Maybe no? not today. But assalamu alaikum to both of you. Wa alaikum assalam wa rahmatullah. Peace of God be upon you and to all the listeners. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. So, uh, so as I mentioned just uh, in, introduct in the introduction, that both of you had the uh, opportunity to uh, to travel, and uh, we're just really interested to hear what your experiences were. If there were anything uh, anything that stood out to you, uh, your reception. So so who wa- who wants to go first? <laughs> uh, I'll give the mic to uh, Dr. Sabil, so he uh, you know can go first. Inshallah, Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. I start in the name of God, the most beneficent and merciful. It was an honor for me to go to uh, Jerusalem and to Palestine. The reason is that, you know, I have been to Mecca, I have been to Medina, and these are the two places which are the most blessed places in the world. The third most blessed place in the world when it comes to the mosque is the one in Jerusalem. And Alhamdulillah, I went there about two and a half months ago. It was a really exciting experience. But then again, it was a depressing experience based upon the situation of the Christians and the Muslims who are living up there. And hopefully, inshallah, God willing, we can elaborate something more to that regards. Now, it says in the Quran, chapter 17, verse number 1, that uh, God or Allah has taken his servant, Muhammad, peace be upon him, on a miraculous journey 
from Makkah to Jerusalem and then to the seven heavens. And the place where he stopped in Jerusalem is the place of the third holiest mosque in Islam. So by going there, we are getting the reward. We are seeing a historical site. And it's a lot of blessings going there and praying there in that mosque. Mm. So that is the context of my visit to Jerusalem. A, a spiritual connection and uh, a recognition. Uh, right, right. Uh, the history comes alive when you go there. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, a spiritual connection with uh, the many prophets who were born, who preached, and he passed away there. Historical connection to Prophet Abraham and Prophet Jesus, Prophet Moses and David, and Muhammad, peace be upon all of them. Peace be upon them all. Yeah, so that was the nature of my visit. Okay, all right. Uh, Brother Khalid? Yeah, assalamu alaikum warahmatullah. Actually, I went to uh, visit my family in Jordan first, and I spent some time with them uh, in Jordan. But uh, you know, I never felt as much as this time I want to go and see Jerusalem, especially after the declaration of uh, President Trump of moving the, or the desire of him moving the embassy to Jerusalem. So I felt like I am obligated to go there and. Uh, visit this uh, very peaceful place, whereas like what Dr. Sabil just mentioned like a few seconds ago, that you can see the three religions uh, on uh, in one place and they're living in harmony and in peace. So I wanted to uh, witness that. I wanted to go there to the Masjid Al-Aqsa and see it myself and, uh, you know, uh, try as much as I can, you know, to get some stories and share it with my uh, my friends and my family, you know, uh, not only in America, in Jordan too, because, uh, you know, in Jordan, not everybody will have the opportunity to go and visit Jerusalem. It's not like what you imagine. I mean, uh, it's uh, almost three hours far from Jordan, from a man to go to Jerusalem. But uh, the majority of Jordanians still has to go through the uh, very difficult process uh, through the uh, Israeli embassy in Amman. And most of the time they get rejected. And I'm talking about my family. My family, uh, I have uh, 12 siblings and uh, uh, 10 of them never had the opportunity to go and visit our relatives or to see the Al-Masjid Al-Aqsa. Even they live in Amman and uh, one of them, he's uh, 55 years old. So it was uh, a very nice journey and experience for me. And I had the privilege to go there and uh, share the stories with my friends and my family. Mm, Okay. Uh, Let me ask this, Dr. Sabil. So you went the day after um, President Trump's uh, declaration that, you know, his intent to move the embassy uh, to Jerusalem. Was Was there a particular mood that you picked up on? Uh, uh, when you when you went there? Yeah, coinc- coincidentally, when we bought the ticket, we were aware that this may happen, but then we thought this may be the only time, only chance that we could be going there in this historical spiritual place. Mm-hmm. So when we landed in Jerusalem, it was a day after Mr. Trump announced that he's going to move the embassy from Tel Aviv to uh, Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. So when we went there, we wanted to go and pray, obviously, in Majid al-Aqsa. There are many gates to Majid al-Aqsa. Some of the gates were closed. And we actually, as we were driving by, we saw some clashes going on. And this was the morning of the day before, I mean, the day after this was announced by the president. 
So alhamdulillah, we went to gate after gate. Then finally one gate was opened to go inside Masjid Aqsa. And we went inside. There was a lot of security. Tension was there. Stores were closed because there was the three days of curfew. All the stores were closed. So it was a really tense situation. But alhamdulillah, you know, we didn't want to miss the spiritual opportunity. As we went inside the gates of Masjid Al-Aqsa to go inside, we were just wetted up and down, right? Really intense wetting. Mm-hmm. As we went inside, my brother, he was made to recite the Shahada just to make sure that we are Muslims going inside, right? Oh, wow. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, I mean, he recited, <laughs> what can he do? <laughs> so they can bear witness, yeah, right. anyone, that La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah, right. that there is no other God besides God, one God, Allah Almighty, and Muhammad, peace be upon him, is his messenger. So that was um, that was the situation when we went there, but Alhamdulillah, you know, despite um, despite all the hurdles and the challenges and the security checks, once we went inside, it was peaceful. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of people who came from different parts of the world. We interacted with many of our Palestinian brothers and sisters. Mm. Okay, so, uh, I'm going to take just a moment to give a quick translation for any of our uh, non-Muslim. Uh, Radio Islam family that are listening right now. So the Shahada, the Dr. Sabil just uh, uh, referenced. So the Shahada chain. Uh, this is the entry for uh, the conscious person to come into uh, Islam to become a Muslim, uh, and it basically is, is a testimony of faith. Uh, it is saying that you believe that God is one, and that you believe you also bear witness that Muhammad, to whom the Quran was revealed, is his, is his messenger. So when you hear that, uh, if you didn't know. That's what that's what we're talking about. So, all right. Uh, so within this within this uh, within the visit, right? You said there were there were tensions that were present. You saw some clashes. Um, seeing as how this is a space that is mutually that is shared by by these by the Abrahamic faiths, mm-hmm. um, did you in any time in your visit happen to come across or have dialogue with any uh, with uh, any any Christians or any Jews? Uh, that were there, and if so, did they give you any particular uh, feedback as to uh, this declaration that had just been made? Our driver was a Christian brother, mm-hmm. so he was our tour guide. Right. So he was saying that uh, there is going to be a big uh, protest going to come on Friday. Mm-hmm. We landed there on Thursday. The declaration was made on Wednesday. So he said after the Friday prayer, there is going to be a big protest by the Muslims after the Friday prayer. Then he said that there is going to be a big procession by the Christians right after the Christian Mass on Sunday in support of the Muslims against the declaration, against the Israeli state. Wonderful. So he said that, you know, the Muslims and the Christians, they live in peace and harmony as brothers, as sisters, as one people, one group. The reason he was saying is that many of the policies, unfortunately, up there, they are biased against uh, not just the Muslims, by the way, but also our Christian brothers and sisters. Mm. And I can give you just one example, by the way. Please. You have many sectors up there. The Jewish sectors, only the Jewish cousins would live up there, means the Jewish people. But in the Muslim sectors, both Muslims and Christians, they live together. Number one, right? Mm. Number two... In one locality, you may have Muslim and Jewish sectors, or the Muslims and the Christian sectors, and then the Jewish sectors. In the Jewish sectors, when you look at it, 
you have all the greenery you have the feel of as if i'm here here in america you have the nice front yards and backyards and swimming pools and nice grass and nice roads seven days of fresh water mm. when you go into the christian and the muslim sectors hardly one day of fresh water roads are not paved benefits are not there people are basic necessities of life the schooling education all the systems are not been taken care of because lack of resources lack of funding lack of water lack of basic necessities so when we look at in our media when we look at the youtube videos we may not get a full picture by the way so i would say that the palestinian christians and the muslims living up there they are 100 times more worse than what we see in the media that's right yes mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like what uh, Dr. Sabil said, uh, you know, when you move in the city and you go from place to another. I traveled in different six cities, you know, in Palestine as in general. Uh, some of them, you know, in the West Bank under the Palestinian Authority and uh, some others under the Israelis Authority and Territory. So, uh, you know, uh, it's a big hassle to move from city to another in Palestine. What I realized, I realized that if you travel to Palestine, you are traveling to many different countries inside one small little country. You know, it's called Palestine. You have to cross checkpoints. You have to cross border, let's say. You have to go through a lot of inspections, and you have to take off your jackets, your belt, your shoes, and you have to be interviewed every time you stop by a, a soldier and they ask you where you're going, what you're doing here. Did anybody strange come to you and give you a weapon? And, you know, they look at you and they see that your features are not like, you know, whatever – whatever they have code for and then they start asking you these silly questions i remember you know after we went to jerusalem um, you know we went to al masjid al aqsa and we saw uh, like what dr sabil said uh, we went through al amud gate this is a really famous one you know everybody like at least visited palestine and jerusalem knows that gate and it's kind of market and shops on the sides you know and you see a lot of uh, you know arabs palestinians christians muslim they are having some businesses you know but the strange thing that every like 10 or 20 feet you walk you see a group of soldiers 20 with their weapons and they're looking at you staring at you and it's like you are a criminal going to do something in any second you know and it uh, they might stop you and check your bag and they check your baby if you rub your baby with a blankie uh, one of them stopped me you know and he said i was actually recording in a video and uh, one of the security guard he said uh you know can i check your bag and i said yeah you can check your my bag but what's your name and he gave me his name and he said i want to be sure that you are a muslim and i did not understand that question like what he means by like he wants to be sure i am a muslim and going in the, in the al aqsa mosque you right. know uh but that's the question he asked me and he never gave me an answer for it even i asked him why you are asking he never you know answer this um traveling in uh, palestine and uh from city to another like what i told you you can see the big difference between areas um you go from a very developed area you know with a nice building nice streets and system and people and buses and uh you know kids in the neighborhoods riding their bikes happily and uh, all of a sudden like uh 5 minutes 
you you cross the checkpoint and you go to undeveloped area and uh, poverty and not much resources. You know, you can see the, the, the different, you know, if you travel in Palestine, like every five minutes you going from place to another, you see a huge difference. You know, you won't see anywhere in the world, you know. Um, the worst case of Palestine, it's an occupation. It is not a war. It is not like, uh, it is a war actually, but it is not like what happened in Syria or in Yemen or anywhere else. You know, in Syria, in Yemen, there is a war, there is a battle, there is a fight. In Palestine, it's been since a hundred year occupation. Uh, I was thinking this morning and I, I asked myself, I said, Oh my God, I mean, like a person who's a hundred year old right now, he was born in occupation. So, you know, it's like a whole generation right now living that, on that land. They, they, wa- they were born in occupation. Mm-hmm. So the situation is very complicated. And uh, as much as we try to describe to people and tell our stories, you know, as Palestinians, um, I think uh, it's uh, it's not going to be as it's uh, like you go there and witness with your eyes. Because what you see in, on media and TV is like a tenth of the truth, what's going there. So your family went from Palestine yeah. to Jordan. Yeah, my story is like my, my dad, my parents uh, were born in Palestine. They were born in a small, uh, in a city called Jenin, in a small village called Al-Mazar, you know. And by the way, I visited that place. I had the privilege as an American, you know, to go there and uh, enter the place where my dad was born. Mm. And, uh, you know, in 1948, in 1948, they moved from Palestine to Jordan as a refugees. You know, and they settled in Jordan, and uh, only my father, and he has a brother, and he has two sisters, and he has a lot of cousins, they stayed in Palestine. So we got separated, you know. Uh, a few folks from the family live in, like, east the bank, and the rest of them live west the bank. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, this is the story of my family. So as a, as a war, you use the word war. Mm-hmm. And for most most people looking at this would call this a war of attrition, uh, not just a war, not not just a military war, even though we know that the military is definitely uh, has had a presence and involvement, but just a war of attrition in terms of the, you said, uh, Dr. Bill, one day of fresh water available mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in one area compared to seven days of water available in another. Uh, and, and these are things... Just just to mention that one thing, and we've talked about we've talked about this issue um, before in the program, and I'm sure that we'll continue to talk about it. But one of the things that was brought up uh, in the past was the the difference in small things that we don't really pay attention to. Things like getting your mail delivered, uh, where you can where it's delivered if you're an, an Israeli citizen, um, but uh, as a Muslim, if, if you're outside or even inside, you're not getting you don't get mail delivered. You got to go pick it up. So what what are some of the things uh, that that you all think need to be at the forefront of people's minds to make them understand beyond the, the spiritual connection that we share at this place, but to understand that the reality um, uh, that that people are dealing with on a day to day basis. You know, when it uh, comes to what they are going through, Palestinians, Muslims, and the Christians, 
We can describe it as a war or an occupation, but one word that comes to my mind is what happened in South Africa, and that word is apartheid. apartheid. Very important. That is. And clearly. the second important aspect that I want to share with my fellow Americans that that apartheid is being supported by our tax-paying dollars, mm-hmm. and we need to be aware of that. Four billion each year, your tax-paying dollars, my tax-paying dollars are going there. to uh, for the oppression of our fellow human beings the muslims and the christian palestinians so it's important just like we all stood up as humans to remove the oppression and to give equality we need to do the same regardless of what belief ideology nationality and race that we are in and that's what is going to give inshallah god willing ease to the people up there inshallah if i could divert just just a moment for people who this this may be their first time hearing about game peace if you could just give uh give the radio slam family a bit of a, of a background as to what uh what the purpose is and and some of the work that game peace is doing game peace uh, we are a department of islamic circle of north america our main purpose is to share the true teachings of islam the just and the pure and the moral and the ethical teachings of islam with our fellow americans the reason we are doing this is because so there are so many misconceptions out there sometimes the media may not give you the true picture of what islam is so we want to share the true message not compelling anyone by the way but education wise we want to share the message and we want to do away with the misconceptions and what that does with the tariq is there are many fears of the unknowns people have about each other once they get to know who muslims are what islam is they will find out that there are so many things in common between us and the people of the faith and that will help us to remove so many barriers and that will help us to work together for better humanity so that is the main mission of uh, gain peace so to fulfill that mission we run many many projects we have uh, advertisements about islam and muslims on the billboards radio television newspapers facebook We also invite our fellow Americans to our mosque, our places of worship, so they can meet with the Muslims face to face and get connect get connected with them as fellow Americans as fellow humans. That itself is going to break many many barriers that we have. We educate our youth how to be how to be youth Muslim youth in this country, how to be peacemakers, how to be activists. We also educate our fellow new Muslims. people by their own choice who have converted or reverted to islam we empower them we take care of their needs we uh, do mentorship to them okay so these are some of the projects that we have been doing since the last about 8 uh, years now okay great great yeah. I, i just couldn't let the opportunity <laughs> pass to to not at least <laughs> yeah alhamdulillah have have you mentioned that uh, for the radio islam uh, listeners um i may be saying stating the obvious but I, but i've Well, I would like for you to state it. With the checkpoints, uh, the numerous checkpoints that you have to go through, the there's an atmosphere. I have not been myself, mm-hmm. but in listening, it it feels like there's a, an uh, an atmosphere of, of constant surveillance. Um. Well, two questions. The first question is when it came to entering uh, Masjid Al Aqsa, did 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 you get a feeling that the the gatekeepers there were worried about 
anti-Muslim uh, violence. Is, is that at the root of, of uh, the questioning, uh, having a person uh, give the shahada? Um, what, 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 do you, what, do you, what do you think of that? You mean the checkpoints and the, and the security up there? Right, when they ask you, uh, yeah, they ask you to, to, to uh, prove that you're Muslim. Right. Are they worried about anti-Muslim violence at that point? Or what, what's, what's the thinking there? You know, I don't know why they made us recite the Shahada. I am thinking that because the situation was so tense, they just want to do extra vetting. And for that reason, they just want to make sure, I believe, that no non-Muslim may enter Masjid al-Aqsa, which is the third holiest mosque yeah. for the Muslims. That could be the reason, by the way. Or it could be just simple harassment. They knew that we were Muslims. I mean, why would somebody, I mean, people can still go there, I believe. Yeah. But I don't know. It's only God knows their intentions. But personally, I believe that um, since we have went through literally 14, 15 checkpoints, mm -hmm. and as Brother Khalid has mentioned, every single checkpoint, they just check inside and out. We just went through a block ago. Why do they have to check us again, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> we are yeah. still inside uh, Jerusalem. So I think it is just a way of preventing outside people coming in and looking at the situation and sharing that with the world to prevent that, I believe, this extra checking. Mm. Yes, I believe that may be the intention, by the way. Yeah, I remember I, uh, you know, when I uh, uh, was in one of the checkpoints, I asked the, the soldier, you know, I asked him if he speaks English. Of course he does. And, you know, we were chit-chatting, you know, while I'm getting checked, you know, taking off my uh, jacket and putting my, uh, you know, belongs and in a box, you know, to go through the x-ray. And I asked him, I said, uh, you know, are you guys doing this? Do you guys do this to uh, everybody? Like, because I, I was traveling with my family and my family is uh, a couple, you know, a man and woman and four kids, one of them two years old, you know, and it was 11 uh, p.m., and uh, most of the kids sleeping in the van where we travel, you know, they ask everybody to wake up and to get off of the van and step aside and, you know, take off their jackets. It was a little chilly, you know, because I traveled in February. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I asked him, I had to ask him, I said, uh, is this a normal procedure? Like, are you doing this to everybody or you're doing it only for the Palestinians? And by the way, people I'm traveling with, they have Israeli residence status. Like, they have a passport, citizenship, and everything because they live in that territory. And he said, no, we are doing it to everybody. And while I'm talking to him and asking, and I saw a car, and it has some kind of, like, a, you know, other people, and it has a license plate, uh, Israeli license plate, went through the checkpoint without getting checked or anything, while I'm asking him. And I said, why you are doing that to kids like this? What, what kind of danger you feel to stop people and check everything every, like, a couple miles, you know? And he said, we are struggling and we are in danger as much as they are. That's exactly what he answered me. And this is not something easy to deal with every day. It's like they are the victims. You know, five little kids, you know, carrying their jackets, feeling cold, shivering. And they're waiting for them to give them the green light so they can pass. And he has a weapon and he has a coat and full, you know, gear on him. And he's trying to com to convince you that they are victims as well you know mm -hmm. in this situation 
So uh, the situation in Boston is not uh, any easy. It is difficult. Uh, young people, youth, they they are hopeless. Let's say, you know, they go to schools and they graduate, and then after they graduate from university and they have a bachelor degree and they are professionals, they go and they have no opportunities in their cities, which is. Uh, in West Bank under the Palestinian Authority. No factories, no major companies to hire them. So they end up, you know, uh, going to uh, local little businesses to create it so they can live at least. They live day by day. You cross in the border and you see, as I told you earlier, the developed world with everything that can you imagine. You know what I mean? So the situation is like you are comparing you know what if you are a Palestinian and you live on that land and you want a peace you don't want to fight it's been a hundred years and you want a solution for your problem you're thinking what is the solution if I see this big discrimination if I want to go from place to another I have to be investigated and checked like tons of time if I graduate and I have a big dream to you know become a good person I have no opportunities and on the other side, which is travel of five minutes away from where you live, the whole world is open and all the opportunities. So apartheid, discrimination, racism, and name it what you like in Palestine. Well, certainly doesn't sound like they, uh, they enjoy having visitors. Um, and just for everything that I hear from, uh, from people who have visited, uh, no one has... No one has conveyed a sense of welcome. Uh, everyone, everyone that I, that I've spoken to, has felt like a um, has felt like a suspect, and that is a that is a, it's a tremendous loss for such a historical land. Um, but there are some realities that that we have to get through, uh, namely those those issues you, you just brought up. Uh, it is an apartheid system, uh, point blank. Uh, we could talk about BDS. We could talk about um, uh, resistance and all these different things but what we're going to do first we're going to take a short a short break and in doing so we're going to allow you listeners to go ahead and uh, go ahead and grab your cup of coffee or uh, re- refill your coffee whatever it is you need to do um, but when we come back we're going to talk about some of the uh, historic sites uh, and some of the other uh, other things of note uh, that that took place uh, on the visit. Uh, when we're going to start back with uh, Dr. Sabil when we come back. So you listen to Radio Islam. We're going to take a short break, and we'll be right back. In the streets below, traffic had stopped. Pedestrians were lying on sidewalks and curled up in doorways. There was no sign of violence, no wrecks, nothing like that. It was as if the people in New York had simply decided to stop whatever they were doing and pass out. Ice coated my stomach. The invasion has started. To find out what happens next, read Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. Explore new worlds and check out more cool books at your local library. And visit read.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. A boy born in Joplin, Missouri was fascinated by anything with wheels and a motor. The odds of him going on to fascinate millions with his talent, one in 260,000. The odds of him having 15 career NASCAR victories, one in 1.7 million. The odds of a child being diagnosed with autism, one in 88. 
I'm Jamie McMurray, and my niece has autism. Learn more at autismspeaks.org signs. Brought to you by Autism Speaks and the Ad Council. Radio Islam, the nation's first daily live call-in talk radio show, produced by Muslims for the mainstream market. Radio Islam, on the air since 2004 because of your generosity. Radio Islam salutes its most valuable asset, you, our listener. From our producers to our interns, we appreciate your support. Thank you. Is that a faucet running? That's not a faucet. That's a river rushing through the forest. Forest rivers provide over 100 million people with clean water to drink. What? I can't hear you because of the vacuum. That's not a vacuum. That's the trees in the forest cleaning up the air we breathe. I didn't know the trees were so amazing. Yep, and the forest gives us shade, trees to climb. That's awesome. Let's go explore some more. Visit the forest today and enjoy all it does just for you. To learn more about the forest and find one near you, go to discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Hola, my name is Esperanza. After a tragic incident, I was forced from a life of riches in Mexico to a life of poverty in the United States. My mother has become ill and we have become separated from our family. Now I must work for both of us to try to bring the rest of our family together. My name is Esperanza and I am trying to survive. Explore new worlds. Read my story in the novel Esperanza Rising by Pam Muñoz Ryan. For other great book ideas, visit your local library or log on to literacy.gov. Brought to you by the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. My name is Sue Smith. I'm 38 and I work at a graphic design company. And the teenage me would tell you I wouldn't be into drawing and art if it wasn't for Big Brother's Big Sisters. My big sister showed me early on that I could do anything. And to the young me, that meant a lot. My big sister's name is Sheila, and Sheila is the reason that this 8-year-old grows up to have an amazing job as a graphic designer. Whether you donate money or time, you're helping Big Brother's Big Sisters help a child. Start something today at BigBrothersBigSisters.org. Brought to you by Big Brother's Big Sisters and the Ad Council. Foreclosure is hard on every member of the family, but your family is not alone. If you're struggling with your mortgage, there is help. To learn about the government's Making Home Affordable program, visit makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE to speak to a HUD-approved housing counselor. It's free of charge. Visit makinghomeaffordable.gov or call 1-888-995-HOPE today. Brought to you by the U.S. Treasury, HUD, NeighborWorks America, and the Ad Council. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you. Welcome back to Radio Islam. I'm your host, Tariq al and we are broadcasting on WCEV 1450 AM, Live streaming at www.wcev1450.com. Remember, folks, to keep up with us on social media by following and liking our pages at Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You will find us at Radio Islam USA. That is at Radio Islam USA. Okay, I've done all the pitches I need to do now. Um, In studio, if you have just tuned in, uh, well, then you need to listen to the podcast. Uh, later on. But in studio, for those of you who have been with us for the uh, since the beginning, uh, you know we have Dr. Sabil Ahmed, the Executive Director of Gain Peace, uh, and we also have Brother Khalid Asadi, who is the Director of Finance for Sound Vision. And they have been recounting some of their experiences on their recent 
um, travels to Jerusalem. And so we, we, we got a feel for some of the political uh, and some of the just some of the challenges that the folks are facing there, not just Muslims, but uh, and I was really appreciative to hear you mention uh, our Christian brothers and sisters, because quite often they're not really a part of that discussion. But um, but if you would, could you share with us some of the so maybe some of the historical sites um, uh, that you were able to to, to visit and, and, and maybe the impact that it had on you? Uh, yeah. So, uh, Dr. Sabil, you want to start with? Right. Uh, you know, I was uh, fortunate to go to some of the Christian sites or sites which are there mentioned in the New Testament. Mm-hmm. And they are part of Christianity and many Christians, they go there each single year. Some of the sites, they are very close to the Masjid al-Aqsa. They are on a place called the Mount Olive. Mm-hmm. Around the Mount Olive, there are sites where Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, was apparently born. Where he uh, did miracles where he preached the message of oneness of God, where he apparently was crucified and he, where he was ascended. Mm-hmm. So it's important for the listeners to know that the reason I went there is because Prophet Jesus, peace be upon him, is near, is near and dear to all the Muslims. It is an article of faith for us to believe in Jesus as a mighty prophet. Mm-hmm. So when we went there, we saw the actual place in which Jesus was born. And this is mentioned in the Quran, chapter 19, verse number 30. It speaks about the miracle when Jesus did when he was a baby and he defended his mother and he conveyed the message of oneness of God to the people up there. And this is in uh, this is this is a church called the Church of Nativity. So they built uh, that church around the place where Jesus was born. So Muslims, we believe in the miraculous birth of Jesus. Secondly, we went, we went to a place where Jesus, peace be upon him, he prayed. So we Muslims, we say that Jesus is a prophet of God. And when people were after him, he went to the garden of Gethsemane. There he placed his forehead on the ground and he pray, prayed to God, saying that, Oh God, take this cup of death away from me, not my will, but your will. So I went to that place where in the Bible it says in chapter 26, verse 39 of the Bible, in the Gospel of Matthew, that Jesus placed his forehead on the ground. He was praying to God. So I went there. We took the photos, some videos, just to document that this was the place. And in the Quran, it says, chapter 4, verse number 157, that they boast that they killed Jesus, the son of Mary, the Messiah. They killed him not, neither they crucified him. It only made to appear to them. God lifted Jesus up to himself. So there is a sight in Jerusalem, where they built the church where Jesus was lifted up to heaven. So these are some of the historical places that you read in the Quran, in the Old New Testament. And then when you see there, when you go there, history comes alive. Mm. Especially of Mary, the mother of Jesus, and Jesus, a mighty prophet of God. Mm. Yes, thank you so much for that. Brother Khalid. Uh, yeah, I visited, uh, you know, I visited, uh, you know, Muslim side of uh, the Masjid Al-Aqsa. And also we went after we finished with Jerusalem to uh, Hebron. Mm-hmm. And uh, we visited the shrine of Prophet Ibrahim, alayhi salam. 
And that shrine, you know, is like uh, surrounded with uh, a lot of checkpoints and you have to go through uh, doors and, uh, you know, fences and things to go inside. But anyway, we went inside, you know, um, and we saw the shrine from inside. Uh, there is uh, uh, three uh, uh, shrines, one for Ibrahim alayhi salam and the second one for Prophet Isaac alayhi salam and for his wife Rifqa. And they had, a, you know, we met a tour guide inside the, the site and he gave us a little bit of, uh, you know, history about the shrine. And he told us about, the, you know, the, uh, you know, killing happened inside the mosque a uh, long time ago while a group of Muslims were praying inside the masjid and someone came, a settler from the area, and opened the fire and killed the 29 people while they pray in Fajr prayer. And he showed us where that happened exactly. And uh, he showed us how the Musallin themselves, or, or who left from those Musallin, you know, in the Fajr, uh, you know, took his life uh, by, you know, the extinguishers, the fire extinguishers. Um, uh, yeah, we went to that place. And that place by itself is a story. And I think you need uh, another show, you know, if you want me to tell you all the details of my visit to the, to the shrine of Ibrahim, alayhi salam. Um, I went to, uh, you know, uh, you can call it a historical site uh, to where uh, my uh, dad was born and uh, raised, you know, his hometown in a small village in the mountain north of uh, the city called Jenin, you know, in Palestine. And I went there and I was looking to see any any sign, you know, from those stories that I used to hear all my life from my dad, may God rest his soul in peace. Uh, you know, I was looking for rocks. I I was I didn't expect to see houses or anything because I heard the stories that this place is like a segregated and there's no one allowed to go inside and it's like a, a, it's like a, an army or military camp right now. So I went. I said, hopefully we can find rocks from their houses before. And unfortunately, we saw nothing except the trees and cactus and olives. You know, in there. I was walking to see if there is, uh, you know, uh, any of those, uh, you know, like uh, signs that my dad gave me to find in his hometown. And instead, I saw uh, a memorial uh, with names on it. Uh, it's written in Hebrew language. You know, I didn't know what it is because I don't know Hebrew. But I took a picture and I asked someone who knows how to read Hebrew to tell me what is this. I thought, you know, I thought maybe it's possible. They put like the names of those people who got killed when they occupied that land. But then it turned that they are putting their victims and it's like they are heroes and they got killed in that land. You know, so it's an Israeli soldiers got killed in that land and there's memorial for them. That was really sad, you know, and shocking to me. Um, but, uh, you know, what to do? This is the truth. At least I came back to my country, to Jordan, with a, uh, a small amount of uh, soil from that land. And I was able, alhamdulillah, to put it in my dad's grave in Jordan. Uh, I don't know it's going to make any difference to him, you know, under the ground. But uh, for us, for, for us, it's like we know exactly where he came from, you know. And this piece of soil that I brought with me, it's uh, it strengthened me more 
to tell everybody gonna go and my brothers and my friends and my relatives that they're gonna go and visit my dad's grave that this land belongs to us no matter where we are you know we're in america we are in jordan we are in syria we are in china you know we have a small piece of us there and someday hopefully inshallah with a lot of dua we're gonna return and uh, we can enjoy, you know, the land of the prophets in peace and harmony, inshallah. Inshallah. Um, I, I have to ask, did you have something you, you want to add to that before? No, go ahead. Okay. Inshallah. What do so, you have to say? Um, I, I have to also ask, you said that uh, of your family, your father was the, the only one who left, mm-hmm. right? So your family who was still there, you said some in the, in the, in the West Bank. Yes. Uh, uh, what, what is there? What is their condition right now? Um, like, how, I guess when, when you're in it, right, when you live a place, uh, certain things become normal to you. Uh, and from the outside, it, it, you know, it looks like, you know, how, how could you, you, you live uh, under these conditions? Uh, what, are, what are their, if you could sum up, what are their thoughts? What, are, what, are, what, is, the, what is the spirit that they have right now? What are they... Uh, looking to to try to, um, uh, to to achieve right now. Okay, so the majority of people they live uh, day by day. They have a dream, a big dream. Someday they will be free. They will have their own state, and they can enjoy, you know, practicing what they enjoy, you know. And they create opportunities to uh, the new generations in Palestine. People my age or older, you know, they kind of uh, lost hope. You know, I'm sorry to say that, like many people are trying to bury it and you're saying that, yeah. But I look at them and I I feel like they are hopeless a little bit. You know, if any change can happen, things getting worse to them. Um, uh, They adopt themselves, you know, to, to, to just go with the flow, you know, in there in Palestine. So so they live day by day, as I mentioned, you know. People in uh, uh, in the West Bank under the Palestinian Authority, you know, they struggle a lot as usual, but they are, you know, they're creating life from nothing and they live it, you know. There is other group of people that people, they're not mentioning them when they have their discussions. Those they consider uh, Israelis residents, but they are Arabs, you know. They were in those villages when, when, when they got occupied, you know, and they stayed there and then Israel had to give them the citizenship you know um you know i met lots of them you know and uh i don't think they are much better than those people in the west bank maybe financially yes but uh, politically or in in a human rights issues and uh, a freedom of uh, you know uh, choice uh, i don't think they do much better uh, many of them told me about the discrimination they face day by day about their kids in the schools and about, you know, when they go to court, when they go to police department, when they apply for jobs, when they try to buy land, when they try to build a house, you know, how much difficult they make it to them. So, yeah, lots of his stories. So I think Arabs in general, Palestinians, you know, Palestinians in Palestine, they are struggling. And what is the future? Nobody knows couple of points on the same aspect, by the way. Our driver, a Christian-Palestinian, as he was driving on the road, he showed us, okay, you know, these sites are the Jew- Jewish sites, and these are the Muslim and the Christian sites. Then he passed by more than he said. 
you know what you see up there on the mountains on the hills up there these are the jewish settlements the land taken forcefully from the palestinian muslims and christians and there were apartment after apartment house after houses after houses so when you actually go and see up there how they are surrounded by compounds and by the security and they have all the resources it really hits you that this is occupation this is apartheid right but two points i want to really quickly mention sure one point is that historically when you see how the muslims helped the jewish people many many centuries you know there is a professor dr david warrenstein in 2012 in the jewish journal he wrote an article the title of the article was what did the muslims do to the jews the very first sentence in the article he wrote down islam saved the jewry and he gave two reasons by the way reason number 1 he gave when the jewish people in the 7th century 1400 years ago they were preyed upon by the superpowers of that time the romans and the persians and also other powers then he wrote down it was islam under the guidance of prophet muhammad peace be upon him they protected the jewish people they gave them autonomy within arabia within the true islamic state in medina they gave them the right to practice the faith, right to have their culture and their synagogues they had total autonomy within the true islamic state mm-hmm. so they were protected jewish judaism was literally being saved at the coming of prophet muhammad peace be upon him so, uh, david david warrenstein a professor is saying this second reason he mentioned spanish inquisition when the catholics when they took over the Spanish land the muslims they were literally kicked out so did the jewish people they were forced to convert or the second choice was they have to leave okay. at that point many of the muslim lands we open our hearts our doors our land to our jewish cousins in north africa in the ottoman empire and yes in palestine mm. So these are the realities that we need to know that all throughout the centuries it was Islam and the Muslims and Prophet Muhammad peace be upon him and Muslims of all generations who gave the protection and the security and identity to our Jewish cousins. So I made this video by the way if anyone would like to go and see the video I gave the top 10 reasons why the Jews should thank the Muslims. And where is the video? At? You can go to the website Sabil Ahmed. Just type my name, right? Sabil Ahmed, yeah. and just type uh, what did uh, the top ten reasons why the Jews should thank the Muslims. I give many, many such examples. By the way, these are just two examples because of lack of time. Yeah. Just to show that as humans and as Muslims, God has commanded us that we should always look for the people who are oppressed. We should remove the oppression. and a very important ayah that comes to my mind before we wrap up this is a very important ayah chapter 49 of the quran verse number 13 where god is addressing to all of humanity and god is saying that oh mankind i have created you from one single male and one single female and made you into nations and peoples and tribes that you get to know each other not that you despise each other you get to know each other and the best amongst you is the one who is a well-mannered god-fearing person and that was the moving words that had the muslims all throughout the centuries 
to remove the oppression and to and to champion the human rights of all the people including our jewish cousins and that's what we should never ever forget yeah that's a great, to, great point go ahead brother yeah Carlos. to add to what uh, dr sabia just mentioned right now mm-hmm. you know through our visit uh, to palestine to be honest with you i did not see the conflict between muslims and jews oh, really? you know this is something i did not notice i saw people religious people in the streets you know they are jewish and they are you know some muslims and they are walking you know in the same streets and going you know everybody goes to where he wants to worship but the conflict is something bigger than a religion you know they try to promote it as a like a religious state and they you know even in israel they said that if you are not recognize israel as a religious state then you are not recognizing israel you know they want it to be a jewish state that's mm-hmm. what they want it but if you go in the small detail stories like in the people one between them you know the conflict it's much bigger than a religion i mean it is not a religious conflict i don't think because some people are not very religious people but they want to live they are a human being you know they want opportunities they want a good life they want to get married grow a uh, family and you know get around you know that's all what they want and from the other side you know they are not very like religious uh, people and there's like uh, to see them they are praying day and night and you know they're worshiping in the streets and everything they have a government they have soldiers police system and everything and the racism it is not upon the religion it's upon the identity you are arab you are palestinian then you don't belong here you know period you know what i mean like if it's a religious thing they will you know find find your solution you know what i will say but they don't want you to be on that land they want to bring people settlers from different where in the world and sell them in in Palestine and you know establish that uh what they call Israel you know i'm glad that you brought uh first of all just just wonderful points uh that both of you closed with um and it is really it, it is tragic that a place that um that these three great faith traditions uh lay claim to uh has not brought has not done more to unify but instead it has become a uh it has become a, a platform for for division and and it's going to take i love i love the ayat that you quoted uh that is a uh, hujurat uh, the 49th chapter that's that's a, a wonderful ayat and i take that not just as a commandment for muslims but a commandment for believers period So whatever your faith tradition is uh and and this is another conversation we can get into right <laughs> but um but but that is that is that is advice that is healing advice if if followed and put into practice so um I just want to say I tr- I tremendously appreciate both of you taking the time to share some of your experiences and your insights uh with the Radio Islam family I pray for your continued success and well-being. Mm-hmm. Uh may Allah continue to protect you, expand your capacity. Uh gain peace you guys are doing great work. Um and it was great to put a face with the with 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 some of that work. So, alhamdulillah. alhamdulillah. All right, so Radio Sound family, uh we have come to the close of another edition. Uh we want to thank our engineers over at WCEV. Uh but before we do that, before I put on the the goodbye music, um I also want to say that we hope uh that we will see you all this weekend. 
uh, this weekend, this Saturday, coming up at Lazette Banquets out in Streamwood, uh, where we will be having our annual fundraiser. Uh, we will be awarding uh, the first on-air hijabi um, news reporter, Tahira Rahman, and, uh, and we'll also be doing a Q&A with her. So if you're interested in participating, uh, go to Eventbrite, go to soundvision.com, get your tickets. We'd love to see you there. Okay, so that being said, uh, we want to thank our engineers over at WCEV, um, producer and engineer for tonight's show. Uh, is me, Tariq Elami. I thank our guest. We thank our executive producer, Abdul Malik Mujahid. And we're going to leave you now. Oh, no, we're not. We got to say it. The disclaimer, the thoughts, the views that ex- have been expressed tonight by the host and guests are theirs and not to be taken as representative of Sound Vision, Inc. And with that, I am going to leave you as I greeted you. Assalamu alaikum. May the peace that only God can give be upon you.